Uh, we've been working uh, through a series called uh, Experiencing God. Uh, we've gone through uh, four of them so far. Do a little bit of review here. We began uh, with talking about how God is always at work around you. And uh, if you just stop and begin to look and think, you will see God at work. Uh, in your life, you'll see God at work uh, in your family, in your workplace, in this community, in this church. God is not a God who doesn't do anything. God is a God who is always at work. God is at work in you. God is at work around you. Do you see it? Do you notice it? Are you aware of it? Uh, God is also a God who pursues a continuing love relationship with us that is real and personal. Again, God's not just a distant God. He's not just someone who works all the time and doesn't love. He's working, but he also loves us incredibly and desires to have a deep, rich relationship with each of us. Uh, God also invites us to become involved with him in his work, and it's actually uh, one of the reasons we were created. And this is why we find the most satisfaction and, and, and thrill in life is when we are working with God. That when we say, God, I'm going to join you in what you're doing. And, of course, the challenge in that is that we spend a lot of time trying to get God to do what we want to do. And we come up with a great plan and say, God, would you join me? But that's usually not very fruitful. To be fruitful in life, we need to find out where God is working, and then we join him because that's where the power of God is at work. Now, to know where God is working, we need to be able to hear his voice. And we talked about how uh, last week that God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit, to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. That God is always speaking. And again, we just need to be aware that he is speaking, and we need to listen. And there are a variety of ways that he speaks. But last week, we talked about the main four, that he speaks through, through the Bible. He speaks through uh, uh, other believers, other Christians. He speaks through circumstances and events. And he speaks through impressions or things that he lays upon our heart or, or our mind. Now, he speaks a lot, a lot of other ways as well, but God is speaking. And so God is at work. He loves us. He's asking us to join him. We are to be looking and listening for where he is working. And when we see where he's working, we got to get on board. Now, sometimes God will ask us to do fairly easy things. Sometimes he asks us to do things that are pretty fun. Uh, he might ask you to go, you know, have lunch with a friend of yours. Or maybe encourage somebody or pray with somebody. Or uh, go talk to someone on the street or whatever it might be. There are a lot of Fun things that God asks us to get involved in. But at other times, God will ask us to do things that are hard. He will ask us to do things that are beyond our own ability and our own strength. In fact, if you are listening for God and looking for where God is working, you will find out that he often, uh, often asks us to do things that are beyond our own strength, our own wisdom, our own confidence, our, our own uh, amount of time or, or money, that he asks us to do God-sized assignments. And when he places one of those on your heart, or you see God working and he calls you to something, it often leads us to what Henry Blackaby in Experiencing God calls a crisis of belief. Now, a crisis of belief is not... Um, where you're kind of doubting whether God exists or not, but it's a crisis of belief in terms of uh, what do you believe about God? So God calls you to do something that's beyond you, and all of a sudden you have to uh, go through this crisis. Do I really believe that God is all-powerful? 
Do I really believe that God can meet me in this need? Do I really believe that God can work through me even though this is beyond my ability and my strength or my financial situation? Do I really believe that God is a miracle-working God? It is very easy for us to say that I believe God is all-powerful or that I believe that God can do miracles, or I believe that if we just have faith, God's going to do amazing things. I believe that God is for me, and not a, it's, that's really easy to say. But when God says, okay, let's try it, and he gives you an assignment that's beyond your ability, strength, or wisdom, all of a sudden you have to step out, and you have to really put that, what you say, into practice. And often that's when we have a crisis of belief. Do I, do I really believe that God is going to come through here? Do I really believe that he is all-powerful? There was a, uh, a famous uh, tightrope walker back in the 1800s named Charles Blondin. His favorite, one of his favorite spots to go across was just below uh, Niagara Falls and Niagara Gorge there. And he was pretty incredible. He would uh, walk back and forth in this thing. He would do it blindfolded. He would take out a chair and put it on uh, one leg and then he would stand on the chair. He went out there and sat on the middle of his uh, tightrope and actually cooked an omelet and ate it. All kinds of crazy things. One time, he actually took his manager across on the tight rope. And uh, when you talk about faith, you talk about trusting in somebody, putting your life in a situation, like that's amazing. And that should be us. Now, there's a famous legend around uh, Charles Blondin that, that one of the things he used to do was take a wheelbarrow across and then he put a sack of potatoes in and go back across. And the legend says that he came to the end and he asked everybody who was just like, wow, you're amazing. He says, do you believe I could carry a man across in the wheelbarrow? And of course, everybody's like, oh yeah, you can do it. You're amazing. You can do anything. And he says, okay, which one of you wants to get in? <laughs> right? And of course, everybody was silent. Nobody wanted to get in. And this is what we're like with God. We're like, yeah, God, you're amazing. You can do the impossible. You can do anything. You are incredible. You can do miracles and you can come through. You can help people in their need. And then God whispers, okay, I'm going to call you into something that's a God-sized assignment. I'm going to call you into something that's bigger than you. Get in. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, well, you know, I just don't have the ability to do that. You know, my finances, you know, my time is really busy. And, and all of a sudden we find out what we really believe about God. I mean, what you believe about God is not necessarily what you say, it's what your life reveals. And if you're never, never able to step out and trust God, I mean, it really shows that you don't really have a lot of confidence in who God, who He says He is. Now, usually what happens is when God gives us a God-sized assignment, we, we often just begin to make excuses. And you know what? We're totally not alone. I do it, you do it. In fact, uh, Moses in the Bible did the same thing. Uh, back in Exodus 3, God is talking to Moses, and he says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so, I mean, we looked at this first, but God saw his people suffering. And now he's saying, I'm going to begin a work. I am going to come and rescue my people. So what was God doing? God was rescuing his people. And he's telling Moses. And it says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. 
So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And this is the way God works. When God is doing something, because he, he's always at work, he invites people to join him. I mean, God does big stuff because he is God. He also does little stuff. But when he's doing big things, he, he often invites us, little people who don't have everything together, he invites us into what he is doing. And that's the way God works. And God is inviting you and me. And each of us into different places where he is working. And often those things will be bigger than what we can handle, than what we can manage, than what we can put together. And of course, you can imagine Moses like, you're sending me to, to Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world. I mean, I've been shepherding sheep for 40 years. He has a crisis of belief. And he does what we usually do. He begins to make excuses. So Moses said to the Lord, <clears throat> pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I'm just not good at talking in front of people. I don't want to be speaking to this Pharaoh guy because he's big. I just don't have the abilities. And we do this. I just don't have the time. God, I'm so busy. I could never fit what you're calling me to do into my schedule. I don't have the money. This is too big. You know how much I make this task is too big, or I can't travel there, or I can't, you know, or I just, you know, I don't have the, the ability or the skill. God, you haven't given me the spiritual gift to do this. I'm not the right person. And so the Lord says back to him, uh, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, listen, I'm sovereign. I'm big, I'm powerful, I'm over everything. And he knows how he created Moses. He knows how he created you. He knows what you are good at. He knows what you're bad at. He knows where you're weak and where you're strong. Yet God still looks at Moses and says, I want you. And he looks at us and says, I want you to join me in what I'm doing. And we're like, oh, I'm not so good. I don't have this all together. I'm not skilled enough. I've only been a Christian for three months. You know, God says, I want you. I mean, God knows what he's doing. I mean, he's called you. He knows what he's doing. He, he knows what your struggles are. He knows where you're weak. He knows your financial situation. He knows your schedule. But if he's calling, that means we need to listen. And so uh, he, he says, he continues, so who gives them a sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So God says, I'm going to help you. I know you're weak, but I'm going to help you. And this is what God says to us. When we're just like, I, I don't have this all together. I'm not good enough, strong enough. God says, I'm going to help you. Because this is God's project, and he's inviting you in. He is going to help you. I mean, when I ask, you know, when my kids were a little small, and I asked them, hey, could you help me with the firewood? I mean, you know, I, I would help them, right? Uh, Philippians 4 says, uh, God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. How much more is this true? When God is inviting you personally to join him in what he is doing, he will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. I mean, God has everything we could possibly need for what he has called us to do. And we need to trust that. We need to believe that. Uh, Hudson Taylor uh, said this one, one time, and he really lived this. He says this, depend upon it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supplies. That if God has called you to it, and you say yes, 
you will never lack God's supplies. Now, sometimes he really stretches the time limit or really stretches your faith in the process, but he is faithful. It doesn't matter how small you look and how big the project God is asking you to do. God has glorious riches, and he will meet your needs when you are faithful to step out in what he is doing. And this also means that God is going to be with you. If he's called you, he is going to be with you. For instance, Joshua, when uh, God called Joshua to lead the people of Israel after Moses, I mean, another huge task where Joshua had a crisis of belief. God reminds him, hey, look, I'm going to help you, and I'm going to be there for you. And he says to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see, this is God's project. God is at work. And so if he's inviting you in, he's inviting you to be with him. He's not like sending you away, like, you know, head out on this project and I'm never going to ever see you again, you know. He's, I'm inviting you into the project and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be working with you. God is right there beside you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And so those God-sized assignments, really, we're working with God, and we should be less afraid. Same with the Great Commission. The promise was, we got to go out, but the promise is, surely I am with you always. I mean, if your very, 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 very best friend was a quadrillionaire, and he said, hey, do you want to go to lunch, and you were dirt poor, I mean, you'd probably go with him, right? Because he's amazing. He's good. And, and, and you wouldn't be freaking out because he's got so much money. When God invites you to go to work with him, don't freak out because he has everything we can possibly need. But Moses still kind of makes excuses. He says, uh, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And we do this as well. God, would you just send someone else? I'm really busy right now. God, would you really just send someone else? Because, you know, that person over there and that person, and especially that person, they're so much more talented in this area. Look at their gifts. They're amazing. But God says, I'm asking you. I know where you're weak. I know where you're strong. I know where your needs are. I am asking you to join with me who has everything you can possibly need, and let's go. So what he says to us. Please send someone else. And eventually Moses, of course, uh, obeys, and he goes. And Moses gets to experience God in the most incredible ways. I mean, some of our favorite stories are from Moses when he goes and talks to Pharaoh finally and all the plagues and parting the Red Sea and water from a rock and God feeding people from, you know, in the, in, in the desert. He gets to go to the Mount Sinai, and the Ten Commandments are given to him. You talk about someone who experienced God incredibly, it's Moses. 
Now, why did he have all those experiences? Because he stepped out on a God assignment that was bigger than him. And we will get to experience God in far greater ways when we are willing to step out on those assignments that he gives us that are bigger than ourselves. But the problem is, we often make so many excuses that we just want to keep life safe, that we only want to do what I can handle. We want to do what I have time for. I want to do what I have money for. I'm only going to do what I'm smart enough for, but nothing more because that's scary. I just want to keep my life safe. And we wonder why we don't experience God more. If you only do what you can do, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see what you can do. If you begin to do stuff that you can't do, that God is doing, you're going to see uh, what God can do. I mean, if we only live life in safety, only doing what I can handle, we're not going to see very many miracles. We're not going to see, you know, great big moves of God because we're just doing stuff we can do. But if you really want to see God work in your life, you really want to have those moments where, wow, do you see what God did? It's amazing. It requires that we listen to God and we step out on those things that are far greater than we are. Moses experienced God and he experienced miracles because he said yes. It is the same with us. Henry Blackaby said this. Some people believe God will never ask them to undertake anything that seems impossible. They believe God will never lead a church to attempt something they cannot afford. Ask someone to do something outside their giftedness or lead someone to do something they are afraid of doing. Yet if people are going to see God at work, they must witness more than just sincere Christians doing the best they can. They must see God at work in Christian lives. I mean, as we as a church or as individuals, if we only live our life based on what we can afford or what's in our abilities or what we can handle, we're really not going to be a whole lot different than other good clubs out there. I mean, there's lots of other good groups doing a lot of good things that they can handle and do within their own skill. I mean, we need to be listening to God. God, what are you asking me to do that's bigger than me? I mean, if we want to pe- see people say, wow, God is amazing, we need to have situations in our life where we can show that. Where people go, you know, that's just not explainable through what Jesse can do. That, something's bigger there going on. Or, you know, I can't believe those people at the junction did that. It just seems bigger than them. That's when... We begin to experience God and a church and the community begin to see God at work is when we are willing to say yes to those big God assignments. And this requires, of course, that we spend time listening to God, that we spend time saying, God, what do you want? What are you calling us to do? And when there's things start to be confirmed, then we're going to go, yeah, I really think God is leading us there. And then we're going to say, okay, we're going to go. We're going to we're going to step out like Moses did. And so it's important that all of us here be listening to God. I mean, if you feel that God is maybe leading you or this church in some place, let the leadership know. Talk to me because maybe it's confirming what we're doing. And we say, wow, I think God is moving here. And we want to step out because we really want to see God at work. And we want to experience God in deeper ways. There's another guy who had a crisis of faith, and his name was Gideon. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in strength, in the strength you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So God calls Gideon because the Midianites are oppressing their nation. And he says, I'm sending you. Gideon says, "Uh, pardon me, Lord, 
but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. In other words, you got to call someone else because I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not skilled enough. My family is just a little tiny family. How in the world am I supposed to rescue this nation from a powerful enemy? It's a crisis of belief. But the Lord answers, hey, I'm going to be with you. And this is what God says to us. Listen, I'm going to be with you. I will be with you. So let's go. Gideon obeys. He collects this huge army. He has them all there. He looks at the army and says, wow, now we can do it. This army is so big, we're going to have no problem doing God's work. But then the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remain. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as dogs lap from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. Now, there's obviously not going to be a lot of people who are going to do that, but there's only 300. And the Lord says to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give you the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go home. I mean, he's got thousands of people, and God says, there's too many men. If you guys win, you're going to say, look what we did. We're amazing. He thins them out down to 300, and now God gives them a God-sized assignment. Assignment that is impossible through human strength. And then God says, go. Now, they could have refused. They could have backed away, but they actually say, okay, we're going to go. And they get to experience the power of God at work. I mean, God loves to put us into places where we say, this is not possible. Uh, God, if you don't come through here, this is not going to work out. I'm going to look really foolish. I'm going to look dumb, or our church is going to look dumb. This is going to be really bad, God, if you don't go. God loves to put us in those spots because when God comes through, we give him glory. Other gives him glory. And that's where life is really lived to the deepest. George Mueller was one of those guys, again, uh, a biography worth, uh, worth reading, lived in the 1800s, but story after story after story, and he lived like this, that he was always listening to the voice of God. When he heard it, he was willing to step out, and it's amazing how God was faithful to answer his prayers. I mean, one time, he, uh, uh, I mean, he had this huge uh, a bunch of orphanages with all these kids it was in a very uh, poor, uh, it was, he was quite poor, and his orphanages were usually kind of poor. So one morning, uh, they have no food for breakfast. And he knows that God is faithful. He knows God is going to meet their needs. He knows that God is for him, not against him. And so he actually calls all the kids to sit down at the dining tables with their plates and their forks. They have no food in the entire orphanage, and he prays for thankfulness for God for providing the food they're about to eat. And then they wait. And then just a little while later, there's a knock at the door, and the baker comes with all this bread. And he says, you know, I couldn't sleep last night because all night I just felt that you guys really needed bread this morning. And he brings all this bread. And so they, all of a sudden they had all this bread. And then a little while later, there's another knock at the door. It's the milkman. 
She said, my wheel broke on my carriage just outside of your door, and it's going to be hard to fix. Do you guys want all the milk? And there was just enough food to fill uh, to feed all those 300 people. And he's got like story after story after story after story. But in his biography, because he witnessed so many miracles, he said this, which is quite fascinating. He said, truly, it is worth being poor and greatly tried in faith for the sake of having day by day such precious proofs of the loving interest which our kind father takes in everything that concerns us. In other words, he said, you know, it's kind of interesting that, that we spend a lot of our time in poverty because we have so much need, and I get to see God meet this need, and I see God to answer this prayer, and I get to see God do this miracle because he was living in a place that was beyond him. He was trying to do a ministry that was bigger than himself. But if he had all the money and all the skills and all his people could handle everything, they wouldn't have seen any of those miracles. And maybe in your life you're like, I don't even remember the last time I saw God do a miracle. I don't know the last time that God has really answered a prayer. I don't, where is the God of the Bible? See, I read about all these miracles and I live my life and I don't, don't see anything. Let me ask you, are you doing anything bigger than yourself? Is there anything in your life that is only explainable by the power of the Holy Spirit? And yet too often, and I was looking at myself in, as I wrote this, I said, I, I live my life too safe. Uh, a lot of times I just make excuses when I hear God say, step out, because I, I love to live safe, and we all live to love this kind of Western, you know, civilization. Let's play it safe. Let's only use the resources we have. We'll only step out if we have the abilities. But God says, hey, if I'm calling you, I'm going to meet your needs, and I'll perform miracles, so let's go. Now, a few things, uh, just as we close here, to help us in the moment of this crisis of faith. If you begin listening for God's voice, you're going to begin hearing him. Say, hey, go talk to that person. You're like, no, I can't talk to that person. That's, you know, I would look foolish, you know, if I don't say the right thing. Or he's going to say, hey, I want you to go on this mission trip. Or, hey, I want you to start this ministry or whatever it might be. We have this crisis of faith. How do we win out? One way is that we need to remember how God has worked in the past. That's why you need to be in your Bible. Because in the Bible, there's story after story after story of God miraculously intervening in people's lives when they step out and they don't have everything together. And that encourages us because God's the same today. Same God who did all those miracles in the Bible, He is here still doing the same miracles. Trust Him. Uh, secondly, you need to get your focus off yourself and onto God. When we begin to make excuses, it goes like this. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have that spiritual gift. You know, I think you should find someone else. I, 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 I. It's all about me. <laughs> and we got to get our mind off ourselves and onto God. God is able. God has enough resources. God has the wisdom. God has the strength. God has the ability to help me here. God is amazing. Get your focus on Him. As soon as you start saying, I, I just don't immediately you put your focus on God. God is able. He has been faithful in the past. He will continue to be faithful. He is going to be with me when I step out. Uh, third, allow God's power and peace to reign over your fears. Uh, Paul Tripp said, the kingdom of self is driven and shaped by all kinds of fears. Fear of man, fear of discomfort, fear of difficulty, fear of failure, 
fear of not getting my own way, etc. The principle is this. If God doesn't own the fear of our hearts, He will not own the practical direction of our lives. So when we're talking about knowing and doing the will of God, if you allow your fears to control you, you will never get to experience the will of God. You will not be able to follow His direction because God often leads us into places where we're afraid. We're saying, God, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can talk to that person. That's too big. I don't have enough money. But God is saying, I want to reveal myself to you. You see, God has so much power. He wants to reveal himself to you. And the only way he can do that through the miraculous is you need to allow room for him to do the miraculous in your life. And if your life is only explainable through your own skills, ability, strength, time, and money, you're not going to see God do big things. It is when we start saying, okay, God, I really feel you calling us to do this. This is beyond me. And we step out, all of a sudden we're going to see God start doing incredible, incredible things. I mean, what is God saying to you? What has God been calling you to do? Here's just some thoughts that you can think about over this week. Uh, what are you doing that can only be explained by the presence of God? I mean, is there anything? I mean, if there's nothing then you need to spend some time waiting on God. You need to spend some time, God, what are you asking me to do? Because I guarantee you this, God wants us to live by faith and not by sight. If there's nothing in your life where you're living by faith, then you are missing the will of God in some way for your life. Now, there's times when God gives us little breaks to get us encouraged and then we can play it safe, but then God says, okay, now it's time. He let Moses shepherd sheep in the desert for 40 years. Kind of a safe little job. But then God says, Moses, it's time. And he does that to us. He might let you kind of live a safe little life. And then he says, Jesse, it's time. Or Chris, it's time. Or, you know, Dana, it's time. And he'll call us out. Is there anything in your life that can only be explained by the power of the Holy Spirit? Secondly, what God-sized assignment has God been speaking to you about? that you've been making excuses about, that you've been saying, I don't have time, energy, money, talents, or whatever. What is it? Maybe you just want to write it down. And then what have your excuses been? Sometimes it's good just to write down every excuse you have. And then, how is God the answer to your excuse? I'm afraid. Hey, God is our rock and our shield and our strength. I don't have the skill, and God's going to meet all my needs according to his glorious riches. I just don't have the money. Hey, God's going to meet all my needs according to his glorious riches, whatever it might be. You will find that God is the answer. And then it's in your court. Are you going to obey or not? And next two weeks, we're going to talk more about how we walk out on this. Because what it is going to require for us, first of all, is that we need, we'll need to adjust things in our lives. If we keep walking in the same direction, we're only going to get what we've been getting. If God is calling us to big things, it means we need to make some changes in our life and our church and the way we live. And then... We need to obey. And those are going to be the next two messages over the next couple of weeks. All right? Let's, uh, let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the all-powerful God. God, that you are miracle-working God. I mean, we have seen miracles in this church. We have seen you do great and mighty things. And God, we just ask you to help us to continue to hear you and where you're calling us. 
God, I know you want to do more through us as individuals. I know you want to do more through us as a church. And so, God, would you begin to speak to us as individuals? Would you begin to speak to us corporately about how we can join you better in what you're doing? God, I pray that you would challenge us to move out of our safe, little, comfortable lives where we only do what we can do. And help us, God, move to a place where we begin to see what you can do. God, I pray for each person in this room that as they ponder this week, God, what are you calling me to do? What is the God assignment you're asking me to do? God, that you would give us ears to hear what you're calling us to do. God, I pray that you would help us to, uh, to put away our excuses, to put away our fear. God, to allow your power and your peace and your goodness to reign greater in our hearts than our own fears. And so, Father, may you go with us from this place in power. God, may you meet us often this week as we seek to love others and love you. And God, may you help us to do and to know your will. Help us, God, to walk down those uh, great big assignments that you're going to begin handing out. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.